It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Giants huddle podcast. I am John Schmelk. Thank you for being with us. Our guest today is former Giants offensive lineman, Kevin Booth. But first, before we get to Kevin, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this on WFN.com or Radio.com, that's great. But go to your favorite podcast platform, add us to your feed, subscribe, make us part of your favorites. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave a positive review. It helped the podcast grow bigger and better than ever. Let's get to our guest. And that's Kevin Booth. Kevin, it's good to see you, pal. Good to see you, too. Happy to be here. Let's start here. How you doing? What are you up to now? Yeah, everything's great. I actually work at the league office in Manhattan, so uh, I work in football operations, more on the football player pipeline. So you think about the progression of a player from college up through the pros. So uh, it's been an awesome journey. I learn something new every day and uh, been over there now for a few years. I know you probably miss playing a little bit, but you don't miss going out in 90-degree weather with full pads on, do you? Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) I think, uh, you know... The, the things that you miss the most are the locker room, you know, being around the guys and of course the games and, you know, especially the winning side of it. But uh, training camp, you know, I still get that nervous, anxious feeling whenever J- July rolls around and then a day like today where, you know, it's in the 90s. No, don't miss it at all. Well, I'll tell you, we are going to talk about a lot of winning here because you're here for a lot of winning. But first, I want to start with everything started for you. Mm-hmm. First guy from Cornell drafted is 97 mm-hmm. when you were drafted in 2006 in the sixth round by the Raiders. Uh-huh. What did you have to do in order to prove to people out of a small program like Cornell that you were NFL material coming out of college? Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I went to a veteran team, albeit not that successful team (laughs) in Oakland. But uh, I think the one thing that stood out was just my ability to play over and over again, you know, doing the short yardage drills. Going in for team periods, if somebody needed a break, I would hop in. So I kind of showed that, hey, this is somebody who's hungry and wants to compete. And uh, it ultimately landed with me earning a spot on the roster and then playing the majority of that year at right guard, my rookie year. What was it like for you in the draft process leading up to that? Like, Were were you a combine invite? How did that whole thing go down? So uh, I played in the East-West Shrine game. Uh, I was a combine invite. And, you know, honestly, the draft, the prospects – Mel Kuyper loved me. I was on ESPN radio leading up to the draft, but actual draft weekend was pretty brutal. Uh, You know, it's one of those things where, you know, I was told, hey, maybe second round, maybe third, but definitely by the fourth, you know, and to go in the sixth round, it was honestly, it was more relief than it was happiness. You know, it was okay. That's finally over. Now I can get on with my career. But uh, looking back on it, it was awesome. Did you ever get to the point where you were like, I'd almost rather not get drafted and pick my spot than get picked? Or or did you never get to that point? I never got to that point. I think I, I vividly remember just laying in my room. And it's one of those things where I'm around family. And then as the picks kind of accumulate, I just kind of distanced myself as each round went by. And by the end, I'm just laying in my bed when I finally got the call. And actually, I thought I was getting drafted by the 49ers. Uh you know, because I looked at the TV when the phone rang, and they were on the clock, but it was Oakland to pick after them. Well, you still managed to stay in the West Coast, so you weren't that far. It wasn't so that far off. It was in the Bay Area. <laughs> now, that was the old format of the draft. It wasn't right. the Thursday, Friday night stuff. Right. So did you right. have, like, a big draft party and everything on no. that Saturday? No, no, no. no. Okay, no. That's good. I, at least I did that. But uh, <laughs> under the old format, I think rounds one through three were, in, were on Saturday. We're on Saturday, yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Saturday – 
you know, I told myself I, w- I wouldn't watch the draft because I knew I was probably not going second round, but maybe third. So I'm not going to watch the draft. But, of course, I watched every pick. <laughs> so I saw every guard. I saw a couple of 1AA guys go. And I'm well, Miles Kuyper said I was the top 1AA offensive lineman. So, uh, but, you know, all that stuff works itself out in the long run. Now, you mentioned it. You played, I think, 14 out of 15 games or 15 out of 16 games for yep. Oakland that year. And you started yeah. a bunch of games, too. Yeah. Why that divorce happened so quickly then? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where we went 2-14. and 14. Uh, So that was probably the Not first great. thing. No. So our, our coach, who was Art Shell at the time, was let go. And uh, we brought in a new coach. I think a lot of people know him. It was uh, Lane Kiffin was the coach that was brought in. And uh, he brought in Tom Cable, and they went to a zone-blocking scheme. Mm. And we signed a, a free agent guard, Cooper Carlisle, awesome guy, awesome player. And, you know, it was just kind of, the writing was on the wall that there may be changing philosophies. But, uh, you know, the one thing throughout the process, and Mr. Davis was there uh, throughout the process, and he actually told numerous people that they struggled with cutting me at the last cut. And I think it was – they said I was the last cut. I mean, it was if, – if they had to turn in your cuts by 1 p.m. Pacific, my phone rang at, I think, at 1245 Pacific. Ooh. So you talk about the lowest of lows. Were you surprised when you got that uh, I was. I was. I knew I wasn't going to start just because of the change in philosophy, but I thought I would make the team. Um, the one thing that hurt me was that at the time I'd only played guard. Mm. I hadn't had any center experience, didn't play any tackle. So, you know, I kind of put that in the back of my head, especially through my years with the Giants. Uh, you know, the more you can do, the longer they'll – Keep you around. Now, that process interests me because I feel like once you get let go and then you get the cacophony, everyone's calling, trying to clean people. You don't right. know where you're going. Right. What was that like for you? That was tough. Uh, you know, luckily for me, it was pretty quick. So I was cut on a Saturday. And, I mean, I remember being out in the Bay Area with my my wife, my girlfriend at the time, uh, just wondering what's next. We don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get claimed. If I'm not claimed, then where do I go? Do I go back home and work out and hope for a call. And uh, I'll never forget, it was the Sunday morning. My agent called me and says, hey, you're you're a member of the New York football Giants and you have to be on a plane in about seven hours. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was, that was an awesome feeling, knowing that I would come back east, uh, obviously with my Florida ties, being born in New York, going to Cornell to come back to uh, the East Coast and to play for the Giants was awesome. Uh, I was a little nervous at first, though, because all I'd heard about was this big, bad coach over there with the Giants and uh, how tough he is. So Okay, and then you show up here, and yeah. they have a pretty good offensive line. Yeah. Uh, they, and these guys, they, were, they had been together for a mm-hmm. couple years, and they were really starting to figure things out. You played one game in 2007. Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you? What was your focus that first year with the Giants in terms of how they used you and what you were trying to do to make Kevin Booth a better player? You know, it was awesome. And I think, you know, in terms of my development as a player, I thought my experience kind of gotten flipped. You know, my first year I was thrown into the fire and I played, didn't really know what I was doing and played pretty well for just going out there and winging it. But that next year and probably to an extent that 2008 year, I learned how to be a professional, and that started with obviously with Coach Coughlin, and then uh, with our offensive line coach Pat Flaherty, and then especially those veterans, whether it was Chris Snee, Sean O'Hara, Dave Deal, Kareem McKenzie, Rich Soybert, they showed me what it was like to be a professional. I was able to learn how to watch film, know how to critique myself, see what I needed to know out of our uh, our, our opposing players, um, learned how to weight lift, how to just prepare and take care of myself. So I thought I really got to learn what it was like to be a professional uh, years two and three, and I thought that helped me uh, 
you know, eventually play nine years in the league. Is that when you really started to transform your body too, to 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 make yeah, yourself you know, a, a yeah, player? I, I think so. It was probably more one, honestly when we hit the lockout. It was around there, two thousand eleven. Yeah, huh? wow. yeah. I think that that's when it's like you didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew how long it would last. Uh, you know, tried a, a bunch of different things, but uh, you know, I thought that and knowing that I would have a pretty significant role with uh Sean and Richie moving on I thought that that was um you know a big year for me in terms of sticking around with the team yeah and 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 we will get to 2011 as you went through 2007 the season didn't start great (laughs) right the middle of the season people trying to fire Tom Coughlin and Benji Lyman Manning I remember the back pages of the paper oh yeah oh yeah they were trying to Almost everybody. It was a failed experiment. And you know, then, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, uh, you know, I wondered if I was bad luck. Uh, <laughs> you know, I came from a two and fourteen team, and I'm thinking, okay, well, the Giants are pretty good. And then I come over here, and it's you know, forty plus points weeks one and two. We start out zero and two. I'm thinking Dallas and Green Bay. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Here we go. Am, am I in for another two and fourteen year here? Uh, so uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a wacky year, and it's that new kid in school feeling because you know I missed all the training camp with the Giants, but you know, the one thing that I quickly realized about the Giants and the overall organization is uh, the people are what make the organization. And, you know, that transition from another team to this team, it, it took a day. You know, I, I vividly remember pulling up to the old Giants stadium. And ironic enough, Dave Gettleman met me at the door. He was the first member of the organization I met. And then I met Coach Coughlin. And then I went downstairs and it's Chris Snee and Sean O'Hara finishing weightlifting and letting me know that, hey, whatever I needed. So 2007, did you see the team transform from, from, your, point, from your point of view over the course of the year? It was Steve Spagnuolo's first year. The right. defense, as you mentioned, struggled a lot right. the first two games. Right. They turned it around. And then the offense started to click as the season went right. along too, right? Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that you see the confidence growing and you realize that there's a lot of talent on this team and, and it's a team that's playing well together. And, you know, obviously we – we hit that streak in the middle of the year and battled throughout the season, um, you know. But I think if you were to ask anybody on that team, those last couple of weeks of the regular season is when you really realize that this is a truly special team that's capable of doing something big. So you guys all believed. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody outside of the building believed. But uh, <laughs> I'm not but, sure everyone in the building believed. Right? Maybe not everybody. If you were to ask everybody, <laughs> but uh, no, you could see because uh, you know we were built for playoff football we could run the ball we had a defense that could stop the run and then if you had to pass we could definitely get after the passer and I thought it was the start of you know moving in these defensive ends to the inside and causing these mismatches on guards who are used to big plotter plotting type of D tackles and now you're getting the Justin Tucks inside that's causing a lot of trouble so and then I think, at least from my point of view, the team that ended 2007 mm-hmm. was the team that started 2008. And, and to me, the best Giant teams I ever saw was that 2008 oh, team. Yeah. We yeah. know what happened at the end right. of the year. Sure. But number one rushing attack, mm-hmm. 157 yards per game. Mm-hmm. You guys could do whatever you wanted on, yeah. both, on, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and that, that, that was a fun, you know, call it three quarters of the season, right? Um just because we knew what we were going to do. We can bully teams, and then if they wanted to bring everybody down in the box, we could throw the ball effectively. Uh, the defense was playing well. Uh, it, it, it was fun. It was fun. I, I, you know, when I think back at that team, I mean, even when you look at the final four teams that year, uh, we beat all four of them, three of them in their stadium, and then the one at home, 
Baltimore, we ran all over them, you know, who was supposed to have the best defense that year. So it was definitely a fun season just to to see us, uh, you know, widely considered the best team, even though it didn't end the right way. Um, it was definitely the best, I, I'd say probably the most talented and best team I've been on during my time with the Giants. And the way you played, was that just like an offensive lineman's dream, the way that team was structured and played? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where whenever we came off the field, you know, our offensive line coach, Pat Flaherty, or our OC, uh, Coach Gilbride, would come over, what do you guys want to run? And it would be power, <laughs> power, power. You know, uh, Bob, weak side Bob. Uh, and then an occasional play action, you know, uh, or some sort of uh, bootleg or something just to keep the defense honest. But it was a fun year. Uh, you know, even that that two to three year stretch, it was it was awesome. And you know, the funny thing about it, people link oh seven and eleven, and I understand why. Tom right. Coughlin, that's only four years apart. I get it. But those two teams were so much different. I talked about you guys as the top ranked rushing team in oh eight, right? right? In eleven, you were thirty second in the league in rushing during the regular season, right. eighty nine yards per game. Right. right. But you won a different way. And, yeah. and and doesn't that speak to just how the organization is able to adapt based on how, on how yeah. you were playing. I think it, it that you said it perfectly. I think that uh, you know we we did what we had to do to win. You know, if you look at the 2011 year, uh, Eli's playing great. We have Victor Cruz at the peak of his powers, and so so was uh, Hakeem Nix. And you know, we're able to throw the ball. And I and I think that you know while we didn't run the ball well i think a part of that you have to give the defense credit too the defenses that we played i think we had developed such a reputation of a strong physical football team that going into games i think teams were committed to stopping us from running the ball and then we were able to eventually hurt them with the pass and we became so uh we became so powerful with the pass that as you saw as the season went on and then the playoffs hit we're able to turn around and then start running the ball effectively again, and then we start to get that balance as we hit our stride into that playoff run in 2011. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you about how in the playoffs, the right. run game came on a little bit, the defense came on a little bit. Right. It, was that kind of one of those deals, or was it almost like 2007, but in a different way? You had to kind of figure out who you were and how you had to win as the season was playing out? You know, it, it, when I look back on that season, <laughs> yeah, I always hear, uh, you know, whenever they – talk you know you hear media people talk sure. about the worst Super Bowl winning teams and we're always up there and I'm like hey put me at the top of that list any day <laughs> right the worst Super Bowl champions but I mean if you really look back at that season we were six and two at one point I, I don't even know what the record was of uh, the Patriots winning games at home or against NFC teams but we'd snap that streak mm -hmm. and we you know we we were hit by the injury bug in the middle of that season and we had a few tough games where it could have gone either way you know there was a San Francisco game the the Green Bay game granted the Saints game wasn't really close but you know we could have easily been instead of six and six we could have been nine and three right. or ten and two at that point um so I look at it as you know that that team wasn't as bad per se as that nine and seven record shows and I think it was just a matter of hitting your stride though towards the end of the year and um you know getting hot watching Eli in the fourth quarter that year <laughs> I think he might have had the best fourth quarter season of any quarterback in the history yeah. of the game yeah what was the once you got to the playoffs what was the confidence level you guys had, as a group had heading into those fourth quarters knowing the way Eli was playing the way he was in those situations oh we were extremely confident I think you look back just to our practices and I think it's the way coach Coughlin used to structure his practices where uh Thursday afternoons that last period was two minute drill you know and he'd give us a scenario 
and it was ones against ones. So you're going to go out there against our defensive line with OC and Tuck and no scout team JPP. Involved. No, no, okay. it's ones versus ones, and he'd give us a situation. We're at the 45 yard line. There's 38 seconds left, and we need a touchdown. And it, it's competitive out there. I mean, and you know, you can't hit the quarterback. So, you know, every pass play you get in the defensive line saying, well, we would have had a sack there. But, uh, you know, it, it helped us, you know, because then when we were put in those situations, we figuring, hey, we just went against the best pass rushing defensive line we felt in the league. So we had this extreme confidence, and Eli was always that even keel personality you know people Easy, always baby. people always give him grief for it and I thought that that was one of his biggest traits is the fact that you know he's unflappable so we always had that extreme confidence where we were surprised when we didn't score in a two-minute drill situation quite frankly so you know one of the funny stories that I always like to tell about Super Bowl 46 is you know it's a back and forth game and clocks running and I'll never forget kind of going out there onto the field uh, for that last drive and kind of glancing up at the clock and realizing, wow, there's three, whatever it was, three minutes and 40 seconds left and thinking, wow, wait, this is the last time we're going to have the ball. But it's just how calm everybody was. It, there was. No one was uptight. It was this quiet confidence that, yeah, okay, we need we need to score. At that point, it was a field goal. But, all right, we need at least three. We've done this scenario over and over again against our defensive line. So why not do it again? Was that especially satisfying for you? Because that was the first year for the Giants where you played a lot of games. Sure. You started nine games that year. You yeah. were a big part of that team in the playoffs too. Yeah. Just talk about how your expanded role there uh-huh. probably just was really satisfying for you being part of that Super Bowl team. Yeah, and I thought that it was um, you know, just the way it was for us that season that the next man up and be willing to do more than uh, you know, what you signed up to do. I, I originally was supposed to be a guard. I think going into that season I was – quote unquote, the sixth man. So I would play any of the interior positions. And I think out of the nine regular season games I started that year, I started six at center, I think, or maybe it was five. It was three at left guard and one at right guard, you know. And then throughout the playoff run, I played left guard exclusively. Um, You know, so it is satisfying to me, Super Bowl 46. I think if you were to ask the majority of the people that were fortunate enough to be on both of those teams, they'd say that the Super Bowl 42 was more meaningful, obviously, given the situation and the 18-0 of the Patriots and everything. But, you know, just a little secret between me and you, Super Bowl 46 holds a little bit more weight for me personally, personally, because of uh, the fact that I was able to start that game and be out there um, despite the uh, controversial holding penalty that was called on me in that game. Talk about the controversial holding penalty in this game. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the the Giants loyalists probably remember cursing my name during that game. Uh, it was a critical point. I think we were up 9-3 in the second quarter. Uh, not that I remember anything. And uh, <laughs> it was third and one. And, you know, we're, we're running the ball quite effectively against them. And uh, we ran Brandon Jacobs right up the middle on a dive play. And... Uh, I held Vince Wilfork allegedly. Uh, the flag goes out. Brandon ran for about 10 yards. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a debatable play. It looked like Vince might have flopped a little bit. And, uh, Were your hands inside? Because, because that's if, it. if your hands are inside, it shouldn't be called, right? Funny side story. I don't know I don't know if the show still exists, but Sound FX on NFL Network had that game mic'd up, and they showed that play, and the ref – walked over to Vince and said, hey, that holding penalty. And Vince said, oh, that was a terrible call. Vince Wilfork said that. He said that. It's it's quoted. It's out there. It was a terrible call. 
But uh, you know, I remember <laughs> I remember thinking about that situation because we're running the ball. I mean, if we go down and score and go up two scores, who knows what happens in the game? But we didn't. The Patriots get the ball, score before halftime, get the ball to start the third quarter, and score again. So you know, it was you know you could call it a twenty-something point swing because it, we could have been up sixteen to three. Instead, we're down. 17-9 or whatever the situation was. So uh, tough game at that point, but it all worked out. Besides the obvious winning the Super Bowl, was there a moment, a play, or a game that year that just jumped out to you that really sticks out in your mind that was either a lot of fun, funny, awesome, that, that, that you'll just never forget? Well, I'll never forget. Well, I'll, I'll say two things. Yeah, it give was, me both. They were both during that run. Um, the Jet game, Christmas Eve, specifically uh, – Ahmad Bradshaw's touchdown run. I thought that's when the momentum kind of shifted in that game. And it was, you know, we'd heard about how we weren't running the ball well. And, you know, obviously that uh, Rex Ryan defense is one of the toughest defenses in the league. And to be able to run in from about 20-something yards, his first touchdown, because he had the icing uh, touchdown run later in the game. But that first one where he he had a tough run, I think he ran over a safety to score. Uh, So that was probably my first moment that I remember the second is that NFC championship game uh against San Francisco honestly I've never played a tougher game in my life uh you know how I talked earlier about how our offensive line coach or our offensive coordinator would come over and say what plays do you guys want to run and we'd say power we want to run downhill downhill by about the third or fourth quarter of that game they'd come over to us and ask what plays do you guys want to run and we're like I don't know uh you know Call whatever you want. We'll try. They were you tough know? defense. We'll man. try. They were we'll give defense. it a shot. We'll give it a shot. Patrick you know? Willis, Navarro Bowman, oh, Alan man. Smith, uh, Justin, Justin Smith. Smith. Uh, yeah, boy. Yeah. They were good. Yeah. They were uh, Ahmad Brooks on the end. Um, they had a big D tackle. Uh, Isaac Sapuaga. I mean, it was a tough physical game. So Definitely of all the, the games you played, game. that was the, that that, was the that's toughest the game. Toughest that was played, the toughest huh? game. And I could remember looking over at uh, Dave Voss and Chris Snee. Kind of like, we're all just, you know, we're just like, well, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to pull this out. You know, we're going to keep fighting, but uh, we don't know. It's It, it was definitely a tough, tough game and uh, one that I'll always remember. You mentioned when you got here, all you knew about the Giants was that they had a really tough head coach. Yeah. Did that match what you found or was Tom Coffin a little bit different than what you thought coming in? He he he's you know people always think that he's this big tough guy no he is he's awesome the one thing about him is he's completely fair and transparent so there's no gray area it's black or white and the one thing that you know took a little while to get used to but that i really have grown to appreciate is passing him in the halls and he'd always have something to kind of jab you with you know something there's it's never just a hey everything's great you know it wasn't just the players by the way it was with staff everybody (laughs) so it's i'll give you a quick example you know played a pretty good game or we're on a good winning streak and he passed him in the morning on a monday after a big win hey coach how are we doing you know yeah never better right and he's saying that to me never better okay never better coach I'm not sore or anything or tired never better but then he'd walk by you and then he'd kind of turn back and say hey Boothie are we gonna block a three technique this year or what you got the quarterback running for his life you know I mean that that's the kind of stuff you get and you're thinking wow I thought we played pretty well last game but you know just that you know just to keep you on your toes every time you walked by him so you were never comfortable you always knew there was room to improve and I thought that's why we were uh, ultimately so successful he would 
chide anybody that had asked him a question in the media. If they asked him if he was comfortable with everything, <laughs> so he literally yeah. would stop in the middle of the question. He goes, I'm never comfortable. Never, never. <laughs> and, and, and we were never comfortable either. So. All right, final question. And I asked this question last because I feel like after I ask it, you might have to kill me. Uh-oh. I read you were a member of the very Uh-oh. exclusive. I don't know what you're talking about. Quill and Dagger Society. Mm. So mm. when do you guys have the meetings to like run the global economy and you know run international <laughs> affairs? And is there a way to get invited to those meetings? Uh, nobody's invited. Uh, <laughs> these meetings, these alleged meetings that you talk about, uh, they don't happen frequently. No, it, it's, it's, it's essentially an honor society. Um, you know, something I take tremendous pride in and a lot of, uh, prestigious, much more well-qualified, more qualified people than me are members of that society. So I'm extremely honored, uh, you know, and Cornell always holds a special place in my heart, much like the New York Giants. And, you know, to be a part of that society means a lot. Kevin, great stuff, my man. Hey, I appreciate always it. Always great. Always great being here. That's Kevin Booth, former Giants offensive lineman. Again, thanks for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. And again, if you're listening on Giants.com with the Giants mobile app, we appreciate it. But it's easier for you, better for us. Go to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, make us part of your favorites, put us in your feed. And if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave a positive review. For Kevin Booth, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Adios.